Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. And welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by G3. You've got grain to sell? We're buying. G3 in Saskatchewan is open for business and wants to buy your grain. Find a G3 elevator near you today at g3smarter.ca. Well, today we hear about a feasibility study on a new sow processing plant in Moose Jaw by using the old beef packing plant. We hear about a new niche type of wheat, purple in color, developed from ancient strains at the U of S in Ethiopia. Real agriculture looks at controlling wireworms in canola fields. We take a look at cattle markets and oat prices and a high-tech study on weed control. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by the Candiac Auction Mart. To consign your cattle, call them today at 424-2967. And Canadian Hail Agencies, providing you hail insurance for 25 years. Contact your broker today to see why Canadian hail adjusters are voted the best in the industry. A BC-based company is launching a feasibility study to convert the former beef plant in Moose Jaw into a sow processing facility. Donald's Fine Foods operates the Thunder Creek pork plant in Moose Jaw and would operate the old beef plant as an independent facility for sow processing. Donald's industry relations manager, Neil Kettleson, says producers in Western Canada would benefit since most cull sows are shipped to U.S. processors with high transport costs. Well, Jim, uh, you know, Donald's Fine Foods acquired the old uh, XL JBS uh, cattle processing plant, uh, you know, some time ago, and for the last little while, they've been thinking about what to do with the facility. Uh, their their main focus is the hog business, and uh, and I think we looked at uh, across Western Canada to see where some of the voids were in terms of processing, and and I think uh, we came up with a solution, and that's uh, sows. Currently, uh, over 80% of the sows are exported to the United States. And with that, uh, you know, most of the value of the sows is with the cost of transportation, so producers don't get very much for them. And secondly, there's uh, always the cross-border issues of, uh, you know, disease coming back from the United States and those kinds of things. So. We think this is a real win for the uh, industry in Western Canada, and uh, the feasibility study is to determine support at uh, various levels to producers, governments, and everybody else. So that's why we're doing it. How long will the feasibility study take for you to decide whether to go ahead or not? We're looking at uh, at least a couple of months, Jim. I mean, it takes a little while to uh, get things in order. Uh, at the same time, you know, as we release that, uh, we have engineers in there looking at the plant, uh, seeing what it would take to retrofit, what kind of new equipment it would require, and and putting a price tag to that so the uh, people know, you know, the costs as well as the support that they might get. Any ballpark figure what it would cost? How much you'd have to spend? You know, that's still with the engineers and that whole process, so I wouldn't hazard a guess right now, Jim. Uh, I think it's a little too early in the game. You may have already answered this. How's the key way? Key ways you see Saskatchewan producers benefit? 
Well, you know, very simply, two two ways that I can think of right away. Right now, when they ship sows, they they end up going all the way down to uh, eastern U.S. So the cost of transporting those sows is extremely expensive, and and they are called sows. So I mean, they don't demand the same kind of price as other market hogs do. So they are of lesser value, and most of that value gets tied up in transportation costs. And so, you know, from that perspective, they're going to save some transportation. And secondly, it's a whole disease uh, issue. And, and uh, you know, for uh, those producers, uh, you know, we're always very concerned about uh, swine health in Western Canada. And uh, I think this is going to alleviate some of that potential problem. Now, you operate, if I remember correctly, Thunder Creek Park already. Would this operate independently? Well, it's a totally separate and, and uh, separate operation. Thunder Creek will continue to operate as it is. Uh, this is a uh, a new venture on a different property. Uh, it will. Uh, we estimate there'll be about a hundred new jobs that will be created there. And this is really a, a niche operation to help increase producer returns and obviously do some processing in Saskatchewan. Yeah, exactly, Jim. And so. You know, it's a it's a void that uh, has never been filled. I don't think there's a a large sow plant in all of Canada, let alone Western Canada. And so I think that's why they recognize the opportunity to do something here. Neil Kettleson is the Industry Relations Manager with Donald's Fine Foods of Richmond, B.C. This segment is brought to you by the Canadian Canola Growers Association, helping farmers succeed for over 35 years. Visit ccga.ca to learn more. Saskatchewan-grown purple wheat is a small but interesting niche market in the baked goods and noodles market. The co-owner of Hetland Seeds, Bill Hetland of Nakam, was one of the first to grow purple wheat developed at the University of Saskatchewan from ancient wheat strains in Ethiopia. Hetland says the crop offers farmers several advantages. Well, Jim, the, the biggest benefit, I think, is all about marketing, and we're kind of hoping that this will give the farmers a little bit more choice in the marketplace. That's what everybody wants, of course. And uh, we're hoping that it'll grow enough to be a sustainable marketing variety for uh, Western Canadian farmers in the future. How do yield and cost of production compare? The yield is very similar to the prairie spring wheats. Cost of production, pretty much the same. The uh, disease package is getting better, thanks to Pierre Huckle at the CDC. But uh, again, pretty much the same. And and the yields are, are very close to that. So it's it's very similar to the old prairie spring wheat. I understand you contracted out and it's a pretty small acreage right now? Yeah, it is it is a small, it's a niche crop. Working with Infrared Foods, trying to create a, a little bit more market demand with Asian markets. And uh, even here within Canada, it's, it's been out uh, on the shelves uh, in a limited amount uh, with one of the bigger bakeries here. I can't remember who it is offhand, but uh, it has been on the shelves. Uh, I believe the co-ops had it for a little while, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, product. So how distinctive is it? What It's it's purple, and is it a deep purple, and, and what does it taste like? Yeah, well, it's a deep purple. You can see this if you put it on a, on a table or in a in a hopper, you can pick the kernels out very distinctly. It's a it's a dark purple. It it is a softer white, a softer darker wheat. But it's we I've tasted it in the bread, and uh, it's kind of got a little bit of a malty 
taste, and it's kind of neat when you look at the purple of it. You're trying to associate bread and purple, but it's an interesting uh, taste. It's unique that way. You'd like to see it grow in demand just to give farmers another marketing choice? Yeah, it'd be great to have it expand and grow. Again, it's all about markets and about the pull of the market, and uh, it's all about food nowadays, the health. It's high in anthocyanins, which is what's in blueberries, so anthocyanins is a, is a health trait that consumers are going to want uh, because everybody wants a, a healthy food product nowadays, more so than, say, 20 years ago. The only, the only thing is that it's all about varietal research, uh, the Crop Development Center in Saskatoon has been on the leading edge of that. And, you know, our plant breeders, like Pierre Huckle, they uh, spend a lot of time of their of their life on their hands and knees. It's a lot of hard work, and 95% of what they start doesn't come to fruition as, as a variety. And so, you know, I, I think real hats off to the work that the plant breeders do in at, at the Crop Development Center especially. Bill Hetland is co-owner of Hetland Seeds in Nakem. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney on The Source, 620 CKRM. This is your Real Agriculture update brought to you by the Mind Your Farm Business podcast. Stay on top of farm management issues year-round at mindyourfarmbusiness.com. Hey, Kara Oosterhuis here with realagriculture.com. We are back here today with another Canola School episode, and I have here with me John Gavlowski, who is the Provincial Entomologist with Manitoba Agriculture and Resource Development. How's it going on your end today, John? Things are going good here. Awesome. So we are here today to talk about wireworms and how we can mitigate uh, some of the damage they might do heading into the season. Okay, so wireworms are the larval stage of a beetle called the click beetle, and they differ from a lot of our beetle larvae in a few ways. One is they have these multi-year life cycles where they're in the larval stage for a few years. Now, there's different species of wireworms across the prairies. The one that's most common here in Manitoba, uh, it has two or three years as a larva in the soil before it becomes an adult click beetle. Some other species, um, the uh, prairie grain wireworm, which is probably a bit more dominant further west, they will have four or five year life cycle. So you've got these larvae in the soil for prolonged periods of time. Wireworm larvae, their beetle larvae, they never come above the soil surface. So their feeding is strictly below ground, which means they're not damaging your leaves and things. They're focusing on your roots and your seeds, but it also means it's tough to get at them with an insecticide. You cannot use a foliar insecticide and get control of the wireworm larvae that are in your field. Uh, the only thing you can do insecticide-wise would be to have a seed treatment containing an insecticide on your seed. Okay, and what sort of uh, economic thresholds are around for wireworms? Unfortunately, we really don't have um, researched economic thresholds. Uh, if people want to try to assess levels and um, make a decision for themselves, you can put what we call bait balls into the field. You can soak some corn or wheat or oatmeal, uh, make a bit of a ball out of it, and bury it into the soil. Use a flag or something to mark the area. Let it sit for a week or so and dig things up. If you're finding any more than one or two per bait ball, probably do have a, a population that could be damaging to your crop. If you're uh, having trouble finding them doing that, the decent chance you, you don't have a problem. However, 
that being said, um, bait balls can really vary in how effective they're going to be. The uh, wireworms are using carbon dioxide to find food, basically. So uh, your, your seeds, the roots, they give off carbon dioxide. And those carbon dioxide trails are what the wireworms follow to get to the plants. So if you've put a bait ball in a field that has a lot of green vegetation in it as a competing CO2 source, uh, that will affect how successful the bait balls are going to be. Okay, so what are some techniques that producers can actually use besides um, bait balls and insecticide? Can you spray for wireworms? You cannot do a foliar spray for wireworms. There's nothing registered. It would be... I'll say useless, really. Uh, you won't get the insecticide down to where the wireworms are, no matter what you put on. So there aren't foliar sprays currently available. It's just insecticides, uh, seed treatments, rather, for insecticides. Now, aside from the seed treatments, um, anything you can do to get quick germination and early growth, pretty much the same story we have for flea beetles, anything that gives you quick Early growth will really help. So seeding into warm ground is good. Um, seeding at an appropriate depth, not too deep, might be helpful. Uh, packing the soil a bit might be helpful. So any anything to get that quick early growth will help you get through the more vulnerable period for wireworms. Um, where we often run into problems if people are seeding into cooler soil and the seed sits there a long time. So what sort of yield impacts do wireworms actually provide? Or not, so it's not provide, quite as, but... <laughs> yeah, what can they do? Uh, good question. Uh, they're, they're certainly not as devastating as some insects like um, flea beetles and cutworms. They tend to be patchy. So we're usually not looking at situations where you've lost 50% or 80% of your crop. It's usually going to be 5%, 10%, but even that can be quite significant at times and it can even get worse than that it's, it's often very patchy with wireworms this has been your real agriculture update you can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com whether you're out in the barns or working in the fields you can stay on top of farm management issues with the mind your farm business podcast we talk about human resources. We can attract the right candidates, and that doesn't have to come at a high cost. We cover succession planning. It doesn't matter if the next generation is ready if the senior generation isn't. We talk about financial management. Number one, profits is your kingdom. Number two, cash is king. You can find all episodes of the Mind Your Farm Business podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or mindyourfarmbusiness.com. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Raymore, Yorkton, and Watrous, New Holland. Get ready for seeding with New Holland equipment from Raymore, Yorkton, and Watrous, New Holland. And brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devon at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather forecast, partly cloudy, the high 20, the low 7 degrees. We're looking for cloudy skies tomorrow with a high 24, the low 11. Wednesday, partly cloudy, the high 27, the low 12. Thursday, partly cloudy and a chance of showers, the high 23. Currently, the hot spot is Indian Head and Estevan at 24.4 degrees. The cold spot, Collins Bay at 4 degrees. Estevan is 24. Saskatoon, as I said, Estevan is the hot spot. Saskatoon, 22. Swift Current, 20. 
Weyburn and Yorkton both 24. Sunny in Regina, 24 degrees. That's 75 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west-northwest, 42 gusting to 62. Humidity, 31%. Thermometer rising, 100.9. Sunny in Moose Jaw, 24 degrees. Winds are from the west-northwest, 33 gusting to 57. Once again, Regina, sunny and 24. That's 75 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And Sask Municipal Hail Insurance. Farmers, get your spot loss hail insurance with SMHI online or connect with an agent. Storms are unpredictable. SMHI isn't. Oat prices have been improving largely due to increased consumer demand during the COVID-19 pandemic. People are baking more and oatmeal sales have also risen. Scott Shields is the lead grain buyer at Grain Millers in Yorkton. We're paying four bucks a bushel right now for summer delivery for oats. We haven't seen four dollar oats around this area for a while. And even new crop has pushed higher. We're, we're up uh, you know, over three bucks uh, into the new year. Attractive pricing for farmers and uh, definitely back to the point now where, especially in this area where we see great yields a lot of the time, great quality oats. You know, those kind of dollars can uh, make oats a really profitable crop for growers in the area. Shields says some farmers in east-central Saskatchewan and Manitoba may switch to oats on their later fields. You know, there was some issue in areas getting the, the last year's crop off still, even, you know, I think there's still some combines in the field. Those acres are getting late to be seeding other crops. We could see some of those go into oats, as well as a lot of acres in southern Manitoba that were going to be seeded to corn that now there's talk that they're too late to put corn in and they're going to be looking at uh, other cereals, so wheat, oats, or barley. We'd love to see it go into oats, of course. That's very uh, selfish of me to say, but <laughs> more oats the merrier. Shields is standing by his earlier prediction of a 10% increase in oat area, even though Stats Canada's estimate is in the 5 to 6% range. Back in a moment. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And by YAC Auctions, the first name you should think of in the auction business. Call 782-5999. A team of University of Regina researchers is working with a company based in Nacom to selectively apply herbicides to weeds in more efficient ways. Assistant Professor of Engineering Abdul Bias is using high-resolution field imagery to calculate the percentage of both weeds and crop in a given area, which will then determine the exact quantity of herbicides to apply. Those field images are gathered by CropPro Consulting. CropPro Company President Corey Wilness says work started last year with a pilot project. We did uh, about 10 fields and we took images with a quad, so we rigged up a camera system, drived around the fields and took like thousands of pictures. Then all these pictures were sent to the U of R machine learning team. And then they went through the rigorous task of identifying what was crop, what was weeds throughout these pictures. And then we, on a few fields, did variable rate herbicide applications on fields that we found there was significant difference in areas of the field so um, last year was quite dry and we found most of the weed populations were all in wet depressions on a, on a swap map so we applied higher rates of uh, herbicides such as uh, glyphosate and roundup ready canola 
to those areas and lower rates in the other areas with less weeds. Wilness says there will be more detailed work this year using SWOT maps, which stands for soil, water, and topography. Well, this year the focus is also going to crops, so we're also going to be doing a lot of crop measurements, so things like what's the biomass of the crop in these areas, what's the NDVI sort of crop health of, of the crop throughout the field, and we're not just correlating weeds to different parts of the landscape, wet versus dry areas, etc., but how is the crop reacting? We're not specifically doing plant stand counts here, but we will be sort of giving an indication of what was the establishment in the field in these various areas and relating that back to the swap maps to help make better decisions like in coming years of, well, crops didn't establish very well in these hills. What could we do different next year with our seeding equipment or our seed rates, et cetera, to help improve that? Wellness is some weeds are more difficult for the technology to identify. Like an oat, wheat, barley, wild oat, a lot of them, you know, very similar leaf types, not very specific on their shape and stuff. So those are probably the trickiest one to identify between weeds and crops. He was asked about the outlook in five years. Well, our vision, I guess, is that this is a very low-cost system it doesn't require an extra pass, so you don't have to hire an airplane or a drone to come in and take high-resolution images in your field to learn about weeds and crops and how they relate to soil types in your field. What it's going to do is just allow people to keep making better decisions. You know, So on a 10,000-acre farm, if a 1,000 acres of it was wet and you can see you didn't do a good job of weed control and maybe your establishment wasn't that good, then next year you can say, we want to do something different. We want to improve our weed control in those areas by doing this. So we're helping people make better decisions, but we'll also have what you'd call maps of the crops and the weeds and the soil types so people can go and apply things by prescription. So it will be fully automated. The farmer technically doesn't have to do anything. The hardware, the machine learning algorithms, and all the underlying logic will do that for them. An accurate field map will help make future herbicide application decisions. Most of the data is really going to be collected, I would say, for future decision-making. It's to better identify the various areas of the field. And maybe even like a first farmer might go out and spray all his wheat with the same rate, where we could say, well, these three fields have virtually no weeds, these three fields have average, and these four fields are really severe. Right. And weeds don't change that much, actually, in fields from year to year. Like the underlying weed biology is if a field's really dirty, it's going to keep staying dirty. So I think it's just a lot of data collected every year so people can just, as they move forward to subsequent years, keep making better and better decisions. Corey Wildness is the president of Crop Pro Consulting in Nakem. Back in a moment. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollis Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Viterra's prices for canola fell 370 at 424.98. Flax dropped $49 at $543.79. Oats gained $7.07 at $255.73. Number one red spring wheat declined $19.11 at 
at $205.92. The rest were unchanged. Durham, $266.39. Feed barley, $193.71. Lentils, $638.50. Yellow peas, $283.89. And feed wheat, $182.70. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange this morning, July spring wheat fell three and three quarter cents at 521 and a quarter cent a bushel. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Assiniboia and Weyburn Livestock Auctions. Call Assiniboia 642-4180 or Weyburn 842-4574. And brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. Now the latest livestock quotations. Heartland Livestock Market Report. Donnie Peacock reporting from... Swift Current Yards, last Tuesday, fun day at the stockyard, 600 cows and bulls in our regular cattle auction. All three Western Canadian packing plants were in attendance and buying cattle as well as American orders. Cow market was five to seven stronger. The good stout, thick cows bring 90 to 95. The odd sale up as high as a dollar. Uh, straight through, all the heavy cows averaged just under 89 cents into the light cows and shellier cows averaged 75. Fun day. It was active. It was aggressive. The bull market continues to thrive. We talked at $1.3350 uh, and some big, thick, strong bulls. The average of 23 and a half straight through and every bull in the sale. Seen a lot of bulls come to town. Must be semen testing season as some of them didn't make the cut into the feeder cattle they continue to operate on a higher basis uh they say the packing plants killed 80 percent of uh last year's same date cattle in the week they're getting worked through the fat cattle fat cattle market has come up substantially as well and that certainly is displaying itself in the feeder cattle activity a lot of these cattle are 50 to 100 dollars a calf more money than they were here about a month and a half ago into the cow-calf pairs we sold a semi-load of four-year-old cows on the direct dlms internet network they brought uh, 2430 dollars fob the farm and that's the way it is in cattle country heartland swift current now the latest saskatchewan pork prices ham sold 4400 hogs friday selling in a range of 156 to 193 per ckg today's sales are expected to be around 7,000 head Selling in a range of 154 to 186 per CKG. 100 index hog prices for the week ending Saturday, May 30th are Oli West, 168.20, Maple Leaf, 164.68, Ham's Cash, 162.68, Thunder Creek Brickco, 175.39, High Life, 162.06, and High Life adjusted $193.18 per CKG. Coming up, the resource report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report. The Saskatchewan Government and the Saskatchewan Research Council have announced a $15 million project to bring jobs to the province's construction industry and long-term impact on the minerals industry. The project is part of the province's $7.5 billion two-year plan to stimulate economic recovery. The infrastructure project will allow the Research Council to consolidate mining and minerals operations into a single fit-for-purpose building 
to provide critical services to support the mining and minerals industry. Saskatchewan's natural resource industries include diamonds, potash, uranium, gold and base metals. The project will enable the Research Council to expand capabilities to support the resource industries, which include exploration, extraction, processing and tailings management. The Research Council provides services and products to 1,500 clients in 27 countries around the world. On the market, strength in the financial sector powered Canada's main stock index higher in late morning trading, while U.S. stock markets also moved up. The TSX Composite Index was up 50 points at 15,243. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 29 points at 25,412. The Canadian dollar traded for 73.42 cents U.S. compared with 72.53 cents on Friday. The July crude oil contract was down 90 cents at 34.59 a barrel. That's the resource report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at 1.45 this afternoon and an Agri-News report at 3.45 p.m. Tomorrow morning, there's another Agri-News report at 6.45 a.m. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming.